Hello and a very warm welcome to Consciousness Matters, a brand new series of podcasts in which you will hear clairvoyant, healer, teacher and beekeeper Peter Tad talking about his work and in conversation with a variety of guests discussing all matters spiritual. This series has been created as a means of offering support and inspiration to us as we rise to the challenges of incorporating our spiritual practice into our everyday lives in these interesting times. My name is Justine Hickman and I'm a long-term student of Peter's and in this episode you will hear me in conversation with Peter Tad talking about truth and reality, our inner state of reality and how truth is based on experience, how feeling safe is so important that it impacts our beliefs, and how we align with nature, as well as Peter's own clairvoyant experience at a Pueblo Indian deer dance. Justine, it's you again. <laughs> we just must stop meeting like this. What <laughs> um, You have come to me today with a title for this podcast, which is Truth and Reality. Where are we going with this? Well, it's it popped in my head this morning as I was waking up. And I hadn't really thought about is there a real difference or what is, is there a, actually even a relationship between what people call truth and, and what's real? I mean, there's an obvious sense that, you know, we have certain beliefs and that we are, that we call are true. And we hold to those truths, their principles um, in, in life and you know, these truths are self-evident. There's a lot to do with uh, high-minded principles. And of course, we say, you know, when something's true, you accept it to be, to be real. In some ways, I was looking at that and saying, well, you know, is that adding something? In other words, when you say something's true, you're giving it meaning. In reality... I don't think needs to be true or false. <laughs> I think it just is. And as we discussed before the podcast, how in this day and age, uh, with all the stuff about, you know, fake news. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the way we bandy around what's true somehow is getting confused with what's real. And with what people believe and want to believe. Yeah, what they're willing to accept, you know. And mm. so in earlier podcasts, you know, we focused on the climate crisis and uh, the opinions that people have that they believe are true. Uh, so you can have a true opinion. And like Greta Thunberg says, you can't argue with science, but you can argue with somebody's opinion because they're saying, well, that's true. Yes. And so we're really, we hold on to things. So what we call as true are things we identify with and that help, I guess, define us um, and define what we call as reality. 
but they're uh, at times far from being the same thing. So that's the, the main thought that um, came into my head earlier today. So how, how do you, how do you think people can um, make that easier for themselves? Well, yeah, so perhaps the, it's the thing that was very popular for a long time in the sort of personal growth, new age movement about, well, this is my truth. Um, and so I never really liked that phrase at all because, uh, again, I think that falls more into my point of view. And, you know, what's true in an absolute sense is something that's real. So how do we determine that? And so science, to the degree that it can, can determine a lot of things, um, measure things. The evidence is there, the physical evidence is there. When we go into the areas that you and I have been talking about now for quite a while, these inner worlds of spiritual experience. How do we know that what we're experiencing isn't just a projection or a fantasy, that it has validity? I mean, this is obviously what the medical uh, community, you know, is challenged by all the time. And you, it would be really natural to, to really put your imagination into your fears and your wishes. Um, to visualize those things is a normal thing. So uh, how do people differentiate between that and real perception? Right. So uh, this is where some of the mind training, I think, comes in. Uh, in my own mind, in my own experience of my own mind on different levels, um, I have developed an understanding that Certain, uh, the way certain images appear literally in my mind's eye will tell me whether or not this has uh, been just a reflection of a process in my brain or I've gone beyond a kind of um, inner uh, circle to something greater. Yeah, I did that this morning. I had this dream. I have these anxiety dreams where I'm always getting lost and losing keys. And when I woke up, I said, oh, yeah, I can connect that that key had to do with the key you told me to, you know, take out of the door when I went for a walk. So it had nothing to do with anything more than um, some kind of suggestion that went in my brain. And that, that dream really, even though it was in full color, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process that I'm familiar with, a kind of a certain anxiety when I have had dreams that are significant, uh, what I know to, to look for and to understand if I remember the dream is something quite different. And it has to do with the intensity of color, uh, the strength uh, of the visuals and the feeling that it isn't just something uh, floating around in front of my mind and literally my mind's eye just kind of a back and forth that's going on in that part of my being. But something that's much vaster, much wider. So 
the feeling state is, is more universal. And the light then is coming towards me as opposed to something being projected from my head onto what I call the screen of the mind. So the forehead mm -hmm. or soma chakra is your own personal viewing um, theater. And that's what we do. We see and project things. And those are important, whether they're fantasies or not. But just as when the mind's eye opens and we go beyond just seeing within our own uh, limited sense of the, the, uh, the movie and we go to the next level and the Ajna Chakra comes in and now we're seeing the world and we're seeing how energies are projecting. There are ways to to determine at what level you're experiencing. And this takes a lot of time. And it's, it took me, obviously, I've had the advantage. I'm speaking to you and the listening audience as someone who's paid attention to this very question for half a century. Uh, so not something you can just answer for us in a couple of minutes on a podcast then, perhaps. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, do, I'm, I'm doing my best there. Um, and uh, along with that, I, I want to touch in on something that um, I found, and, and that is the relationship of belief, perception. So we're talking about perception now with the mind and the third eye, experience, and understanding. And this is almost like a formula that can be very useful. At the very top of the pyramid, and actually the word belief that I started with is a quality in us that lives in our crown chakra. So if we think of the crown chakra as the top of a, a pyramid, the beliefs that we hold are going to therefore qualify anything we perceive, are going to then open or limit our realm of experience, and therefore how we understand ourselves in life and reality. What we call true are things that are comfortable. And so that comfort zone, again, sits at the top of our head. It's, I'm comfortable with this. And, and I can share with you, the listening audience, and that I had very strongly held beliefs over my life that I knew were true <laughs> that today I no longer hold. Uh, the reality was always there. But the reality was too big for me. I couldn't accept that reality. It made me uncomfortable, or I didn't have any handholds, or I didn't have any way of really uh, embracing that reality. So I accepted what was true. And then what you do is, you know, you find people of like mind, and so you gather together and you reinforce, because all of you are agreeing on what's true, but in that sense, what's real. Um, and. It would be very helpful, I think, if we could learn how to be almost disconnect the two. Uh, because I think we get into that whole idea of personal truth or, you know, what's a comfortable truth. You know, um, what was Al Gore's, the title of his film about the environment? An inconvenient truth. <laughs> uh, Not so I was um, 
starting to describe the relationship of the belief systems that we hold to our capacity to see. And so really, in, particularly in this whole idea of um, if we go to my favorite subject of clairvoyance, if you don't believe that people uh, can be clairvoyant, you're not going to see. Or if you yourself are having experiences that are clairvoyant, but your belief system isn't comfortable with them, you'll simply deny it. It's like a child closing their eyes. And we're very much um, very psychologically oriented as human beings. The takeaway that I've had from working the many years with so many people is that the single most important driving force is that of safety and security. Um, and that trumps any kind of belief system, any kind of intellectual understanding. Um, to feel safe, that is a baseline. It's primary. It's the driving force for us. And so that need to feel safe and secure will have an impact on how we see things and what we believe in. So we see today, you know, people are putting their, their faith or their belief in certain leaders, even though those leaders may be speaking uh, pretty awful things or just basic nonsense or things that have very little to do with um, what we know to be scientifically uh, true. I mean, the kind of stuff that we're all subjected to more and more now mm. by all the known actors out there who uh, tweet uh, continually. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. so how, do, how do we work with all that? I think it gets down to uh, one perspective that might be helpful for those who are listening. Life that we experience in a lot of the Buddhist training that I've done life that we see is referred to as the world of appearance so it appears to us we have that perception it's not discounted but it's seen as not being the source of reality. It mm. is an expression of reality. And so what we call reality uh, in this podcast is much more to the title of our overall series about consciousness. And that consciousness is not just whether you're awake or unconscious in that sort of vernacular use of the term, but the enormous capacity of our intelligence and the awareness that that intelligent is and how that is not limited or restricted to time and space to us in this particular moment in time or in this particular lifetime or in any of our incarnations in any form, but supersedes all that, goes ultimately beyond that. 
that's what I think, you know, spiritual awakening is, is when you start to have a realization of the enormity of yourself as life. And then as you come back down from that experience of unity or oneness or totality, then your perception about things is altered drastically because you realize that that allness is in everything and you're moving through it. But you have a, another vantage point. You're not just in the moment experiencing it sort of face on. Mm. You're in the moment and you have this way of looking at the moment while participating fully in that moment. And so then reality takes on this other kind of dimension. It's bigger than it appears. It's more than it appears. Uh, and that's when the third eye can really expand. Uh, for example, when I practice Chinese Qigong in my garden uh, in front of a small apple orchard, when I shift my attention to the qi in my hands and in the earth and around me, all of a sudden I am seeing the energy moving between the trees like a luminous mist. I start to see all of the edges of the leaves outlined in a kind of whitish yellow uh, glow. The sense of myself is so much in keeping with everything around me that I don't sense myself as separate in any way. I'm in that field or web or flow and animals recognize that because my consciousness has changed. My experience of my immediate reality has altered because of that change and nature responds. So birds may appear or insects are attracted to that energy and can land on me or whatever. When I'm back doing something else, and particularly if in my head and just, you know, going through whatever I have to do next, and I've unplugged from that web of energy, nature's experience of me is different and my experience of nature is different. But the reality of nature hasn't changed. It's just that I have put on different lens. You know, I've changed lenses on the camera. And so now my lens is looking inward, or maybe it's my intellect lens, as opposed to my wide-angle Qigong lens. Mm. And what's true is all of that is giving me an understanding of how complex, multiply unique we are and diverse we are, but my perceptions um, are governed by where I place my attention. And the work that I have done on myself is to try to unculturate myself, meaning to get out of the cultural box and saying, well, society says this, so this must be true. If science says that, you know, there's no such thing as clairvoyance, science is right, or no such thing as whatever, or how, however we want to take that. I mean, 
in 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 this way reality takes its cues from nature and when i align myself with nature and become more natural in myself then uh, a whole host of possibilities uh, are possible and i think you've said before um you were told when you do your chico that the 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 impact of that actually travels a long way in that web as well. So you're affecting a really large area of the natural world or the energetic world around yourself when you do that practice. Yeah, that is what my um, teacher Chen Wei Shen explained to us um, some years back in, in the Chinese understanding that because the mind and body have come into such a strong alignment, and obviously the better you are, the stronger the field, that we're broadcasting a very beautiful, positive energy in all directions. And the, the, the great takeaway for me is that is that it motivates me to do my practice. people can take up something like the Qigong practice right. as a way of feeling empowered to actually be doing something positive in the world, mm. you know, helping to bring about a positive change. If you believe that. Do you believe that? Is of it true? Of course I do. Exactly. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, my understanding from also meditating and uh, applying the same idea that meditation isn't just sort of serving oneself and the uh, the vibrations the forces that move through us they're they're hard to uh, define and and obviously impossible to measure uh, but we feel that with people and and that's what you know has been the case forever when people talk about saints whether they're christian saints you know or hindu saints uh people want to be around them because they get this vibe they get this sense of something quite special and as we know there are a lot of things associated uh with being around holy people um from being helped and healed in different ways to uh being inspired and uh Hopefully we all have some experiences of that. I've had uh, uh, a number. So what is going on? How is it that this person, you know, who shares pretty much the same kind of DNA as anyone else is so powerful, is so radiant, you know? You see it with people even who are charismatic. Yeah, they're tapping into an energy. Yeah, or they carry it or they brought it with them. And, and mm. I've seen that uh, on, on stage. 
very interesting with actors and singers because we're on stage. Boy, their auras really grow and really are powerful and radiant and it comes through the, the performance. And then if you meet them backstage, except the same person, and it's because they're channeling something, they're tapping into something. And so that's exactly what happens in the meditational process. The vertical energy is moving through the body. Um, you're, you're channeling uh, source. Um, and the same is true when somebody is in the groove and they're, they know it and they're, they're able to uh, stay with that as they're in front of the mic. Uh, or even you see that in sports. Well, all of a sudden, you know, a player is doing some extraordinary, skillful move and sort of beyond belief. But they are in their happy place. Yeah, they're in what my son calls the zone. Yeah. Um, but the zone always will appear, at least in the way I've experienced it, as very powerful in terms of light emanating. Um, and, and then, as you had brought up, uh, you know, are there real, you know, um, benefits? And it's very hard to say, but there are traditions that believe that. When I visited the American Southwest, when I lived there for some years, and my wife and family and I would go to the dances in the in the pueblos, I remember one incident where I we went to what was called a deer dance, and they were inviting the spirit of the deer into the village center, and they were in the center of the the little plaza. And there were there were a, f a few people who were musicians and drumming and I had a clairvoyant experience of a family of deers that came in one after another and there was the doe and then the fawn and then the buck and they stood there next to the drummers and then once the <clears throat> deer dance was over the energies of the deers split and went into all the houses so it became a blessing for everyone mm. in the village so um I guess my teacher Chen Wei Shen was right that this is not something that is just contained. And because of it's a creative force and it doesn't have limitations, it will know what to do and where to go and how to do it. And that's simply sort of an instantaneous thing. Um, and I think for us, this becomes a question about what is the Tao uh, or what is life? You know, the Tao is a, a concept in China of reality and uh, it is not anything that can be put into words it can't be defined because when you do you're restricting it and so we're talking about reality we're also talking about that in some way you know science tries to understand reality through all kinds of experiments and instruments to measure various properties um, but reality is just <coughs> so big and uh, that's uh, a truth. <laughs> yeah, science might not have reached all the corners just yet. If we go to my favorite subject of clairvoyance, if you don't believe that people uh, can be clairvoyant, you're not going to see. Or if you yourself are having experiences that are clairvoyant, but your belief system isn't comfortable with them, you'll simply deny it. It's like a child closing their eyes. And 
we're very much um, very psychologically oriented as human beings. The takeaway that I've had from working the many years with so many people is that the single most important driving force is that of safety and security. Um, and that trumps any kind of belief system, any kind of intellectual understanding. Um, to feel safe, that is a baseline. It's primary. It's the driving force for us. And so that need to feel safe and secure will have an impact on how we see things and what we believe in. So we see today, you know, people are putting their, their faith or their belief in certain leaders, even though those leaders may be speaking uh, pretty awful things or just basic nonsense or things that have very little to do with um, what we know to be scientifically uh, true. I mean, the kind of stuff that we're all subjected to more and more now mm. by all the known actors out there who uh, tweet uh, continually. So, oh, those uh, ones. Yeah. <laughs> so how, do, how do we work with all that? I think it gets down to uh, one perspective that might be helpful for those who are listening. Life that we experience in a lot of the Buddhist training that I've done life that we see is referred to as the world of appearance so it appears to us we have that perception it's not discounted but it's seen as not being the source of reality. It mm. is an expression of reality. And so what we call reality uh, in this podcast is much more to the title of our overall series about consciousness. And that consciousness is not just whether you're awake or unconscious in that sort of vernacular use of the term, but the enormous capacity of our intelligence and the awareness that that intelligent is and how that is not limited or restricted to time and space to us in this particular moment in time or in this particular lifetime or in any of our incarnations in any form but supersedes all that goes ultimately beyond that that's what I think, you know, spiritual awakening is, is when you start to have a realization of the enormity of yourself as life. And then as you come back down from that experience of unity or oneness or totality, then your perception about things is altered drastically because you realize that that allness is in everything and you're moving through it but you have a, another vantage point you're not just 
in the moment experiencing it sort of face on. Mm. You're in the moment and you have this way of looking at the moment while participating fully in that moment. And so then reality takes on this other kind of dimension. It's bigger than it appears. It's more than it appears. Uh, and that's when the third eye can really expand. Um. Where does reincarnation come into all of this? No. <clears throat> into the question of truth and, and yeah. reality? Well, you know, one has to have either been brought up with the idea that reincarnation is uh, a natural occurrence and if you're not brought up with that, like most of us listening, I wasn't, um, it wouldn't have um, any meaning. So I don't want to impose that on anyone. In my own life, I had experiences that have led me to accept that reincarnation is something that I've experienced. In other words, that I've had lives prior, prior to this life. So it's not like a belief in reincarnation as opposed to a belief in something else. It's a very deep knowing and on experiential level that um, I've seen myself, experienced myself with a different personality at a different time, mostly men, but also as a woman. And they're, they're me and not me. And they influence me in certain ways. And in a sense, we're all in it together. The laws of cause and effect that we call karma or, you know, whatever goes around comes around. That's an important part of the understanding that reincarnation is very basic to our experience. There are a lot of takeaways from that. I mean, many of them very obvious. Uh, if everyone in the world had an experience or had a belief that you can't get away with anything. It isn't because you're going to be judged and damned and thrown into some sort of eternal hell realm, but that you are going to somehow have to counterbalance what happened before. Then there would be a whole different way of working with things. And that includes the way we not just with each, each other as human beings, but with animals and with plants Maybe. and with the planet itself. Yeah, you'd like to think you'd see some different behavior in certain individuals if they had an intrinsic belief in reincarnation. The motivation changes. Right, and so if your belief is only in yourself, if you believe that this is one shot and you're going to go for it and you're going to get as much fun, thrills, money, sex, whatever, in this life, because why not, regardless of how you acquire it, um, then you 
aren't going to be too open to even want to investigate this area. Yeah, karma is the why not. Yeah, and the karma, though, has to be in this greater, I think, you know, rubric of accepting that life is more than one-shot deal. And there's so much in our modern Western world that you know, continues to beat that drum. And, and, and just like if you're doing your Qigong or whatever, and you're affecting things, our collective society affects each of us. And it's constantly being reinforced in the academic world, being reinforced in science, being reinforced in business, being reinforced in, reinforced in many, many ways. And we're all open and in that sense telepathic. Uh, we're influenced by the thoughts of others. There is a, a collective consciousness. And that's, that, that's, there's a lot of push-pull with that. Or even if it isn't as big as societal, even if it's just your partner who doesn't believe in what you're talking about or anybody who you're you know, associated with, um, that's going to require a, a certain degree of uh, stamina and, and um, self-determination to really embrace what you believe what, for whatever reasons. And that's the hardest thing. It's very hard to, to bring somebody to, to where you're at yourself. We can do the best to be open to share. Um, and that's, you know, what I'm attempting to do with you here, you know, through these broadcasts, because I know that I'm considered weird. I'm strange. Um, Not in this house, Peter. <laughs> yeah, but <clears throat> when we moved to Ireland, my children told all their friends I was a psychologist, not a psychic. Um, that was not acceptable. That would have created problems for them socially. Yeah. And today, that's not the case. I mean, Ireland is, in the last quarter century, has gone through a huge transformation. How did you feel about that? It wasn't good, good feeling, um, because where we came from in the states, me in Santa Fe, New Mexico, uh, which is also known as Fantasy, New Mexico. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd go to the checkout counter to buy your groceries and the clerk would talk to you about her past life regression she had in the morning. I mean, so we were in a bubble there. That was a yeah, completely right. alternate reality <laughs> yeah. to the rest of the planet. So uh, we went from one extreme to another in a way. Really? Yeah. Do they admit it now? Admit what? Your children. Oh, they're open to it. They're, they, oh yeah, they're, I, the reason they admit it is because um, I was interviewed in uh, the local newspaper and I just laid it all out there uh, some 10 years ago. And so <clears throat> there's no return going back. It's out there. <laughs> How did the locals take it? It was fascinating. I mean, a very good friend of ours who's a, who comes from a farming family, she's a nurse, um, she just came up to me and says, well, you know, I've always been interested in developing my own intuition so that was her way of saying I really acknowledge you and uh, I've never had any flack I've never had any problem um, from anyone um, not even like rude comments or you know any kind of jeering I mean that doesn't happen in Ireland um, in that the part of Ireland we're in 
But I, you know, people don't look at me cross-eyed. Um, there are some people I've gone to dinner and I mentioned things and they're not comfortable with the subject. And um, you just have, I have to accept the fact that this area um, somehow is, makes them feel insecure. It's going to push people's buttons. Because people do become upset and anxious about what they don't understand. Yeah. And particularly when you're talking about things like ghosts or forces of energy. Absolutely. And their own fears get brought right to the surface when they're confronted with something like yeah. that. Definitely. And and again, what's the, you know, and, and, and I think about myself in, in this way relative to other people. Um you know, who spend their time and energies focused in one way. And I've had one foot in this world and one foot in the other world. And I sort of hobble through reality in that way. And it's something I cannot not do. It's just how we put together. Yeah. yeah. I think that is the truth. It definitely is my <laughs> Thanks, Peter. This has been great. And uh, look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Justine. It's always a pleasure. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Consciousness Matters. We hope that you've enjoyed this podcast and will join us again for the next, in which Peter will be sharing some stories of his own childhood experiences as a clairvoyant. If you're interested in finding out more about Peter Tad and his work, you can find him at petertad.com or follow him on Facebook or on Twitter at Chakraman7. If you've enjoyed our music and would like to hear more, or attend one of the Blue Concerts, Music for Meditation, you can go to susiehodderwilliams.com or jerrycroziercole.com or follow Blue Concerts on Twitter. Thank you again for listening. Please do rate, subscribe and join us again. <laughs>